keep this short, but I believe the Lord has a word for us today, and, and would you open your hearts to receive from him? Kids, God wants to speak something to you today, so uh, I want you to, to listen. You know how in class, right, when you're sitting in class, the teacher says, okay, listen, right, eyes on me. Anyone, any kids do that? One, two, three, eyes on me. Anyone ever do that? All right. We're going we're gonna to listen well, adults and kids. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is week five in, on a series of the power of the Holy Spirit, series entitled Power Filled. And Jesus promised us, in fact, after he was baptized in water and he came up out of the water, he was filled with power by the Holy Spirit and he started his ministry and it was a significant season. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit as our helper and I wanted to tag on to that message in, in, the, in the scripture, especially in the book of John, where uh, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper, there's a few different translations or ways that that word can be interpreted. Uh, a helper, advocate, counselor. And one of the ways that we can in- interpret that word is the word comforter. Comforter. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our comforter. You like being comforted? If you're having a hard day, right? We like to be comforted. Some of us eat comfort food. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, comfort food. We're like, we like to be comforted. So this process of God wanting to be your comforter, he wants to reach you, he wants to, to bless you, he wants to comfort you in every season and every situation of your, your, your life. But I want to bring kind of a, a new perspective uh, to this. We're going to close that because the wrong notes uploaded, so that's okay. Because I know where we're headed. Luke chapter 15. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. I want to tell you a story. Can I tell you guys a story? You want to hear a story? Okay. Jesus loved telling stories, by the way. He called them parables. He called them parables. And um, and one of the things that Jesus would do, in, in order to make a point about life or about ministry, about a kingdom of God, he would tell a story. Well, he told a story about the prodigal son. Ever heard of it? right? Prodigal son is a very familiar one. In fact, for people who maybe don't even attend church, have never been to church or read the Bible, they most likely have heard the story of the prodigal son. I want to read this story and then I want to give you uh, an example to explain to you why this is a great example of the, of the Holy Spirit and God the Father is our comforter. So in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, it says this, the words will be up on the screen, by the way. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. 
And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this, son, uh, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. It's a great story, right? A son who goes off, does his own thing, doesn't live well, thinks that his father can't possibly love him, love him anymore, and when he comes home, his father embraces him. Well, just, just at that level, it's a great story. But I got to tell you, there's more to it. See, we have to understand the culture that Jesus was telling, you, telling this story in. Can I tell you, the people sitting around Jesus hearing this story would not have been excited by this. In fact, this story would have offended them deeply. I mean, Jesus couldn't have told a more offensive story Now, we hear it and we think, oh, that's nice. The Father is loving. When they heard this story, the crowd would have been angry. They would have been angry at the Son at first and then at the Father later on. And here's why. You see, we we live in a culture that values different things. In fact, one of our greatest values is money. We value money. We value possessions. We value stuff. And, And so in our culture, a sign of Uh, of success is how much stuff you have or where you live. In the Middle East and in the culture, not just of then, but even today, money didn't matter as much. What mattered more than money was honor. Their culture was a culture of honor. And so as a family, you had what you could could be best described as an honor bank account. And you see, generation after generation would make deposits into that honor account. And your family was regarded according to how honorable you were in the community. So when this son comes to his father and says, Father, give me my inheritance, what he's saying is, Dad, listen, even though you're not dead, I want what's mine. Now, sometimes... Fathers, when they were older, would go to their sons and say, I'm going to give you your inheritance before I pass away because I'm just not capable anymore of taking care of our belongings, taking care of our fields, taking care of our herds. And so a father would do that. But for a son to come to the father and say, give me what's mine, was extremely offensive. The father complied and he said, fine, I will divvy up between my two sons. And he gave his son his inheritance. See, now the appropriate thing would have been for that son to take that money and invest it and continue the, the honor of the family. But what does the Bible say he did? He gathered it all together and he left and he squandered it and he spent it on wild living, some translations said. He partied it up and he spent every penny until it was all gone. Now we know from this story that the father was a rich man. He had hired servants. You didn't have hired servants and own property if you weren't very wealthy. That means that 
this son would have got one third of his son of his father's inheritance. Why one third? Because the older brother would have got the double portion. And so the younger son would have got one third of all of this man's wealth. That's a lot of money. And he spent it all on wild living. Jesus goes on to tell this story and to make it even more offensive. He says he's in this foreign land. He's hungry and so he gets a job. And they tell him, go out and work with the pigs. Well, to a Jewish person, pigs are unclean. And the last place you wanted to be was around a pig. And then Jesus takes it a step further and he says, not only was he with the pigs, he wanted to eat the food that the pigs were eating. Now you can imagine this crowd, there must have just been this, no, no. Jesus has their attention. And the son starts thinking, well, my servants have it better than this. I'll go back to my father. Which sounds like a good plan, except when you understand the culture, you understand that he was taking his life into his own hand. We read later about the older brother. He gets kind of a bad rap, right? The brother comes, the younger brother comes back. The older brother is ticked off for good reason. You took one third of our father's inheritance. You left. You went and did all of those crazy things. I stayed here and I'm faithful and you threw a party for the younger son, father. See, the the older brother wasn't just offended because the brother had taken the money. See, his name, his honor had been affected by the brothers, the younger brother's decisions. And in that culture, it was the right of the older brother to go find the younger brother and take his life. And in doing so, the honor would have been restored You would have to take the life of the person who brought dishonor. And that was the older brother's job. It would have been his job. And you still hear about this happening in the Middle East, right? It would have been his job. So not only is it just because there's a party, he's offended. And the crowd listening to this would have agreed with the brother. Yeah, he's right. So the son, the younger son in thinking, I'll come back to my father, knows that it could cost him his life. He's that desperate. Stop for a second and think about that. He was so desperate, he was willing to risk his very life to go back to the father. Jesus goes on and he says, so he made the journey home. And while he was a long way off, the father saw him. What does that tell us? That the father was looking every day, standing, looking down the driveway, down the road. Where's my son? Where's my son? The people listening to this story would have been confused and even offended at this. What do you mean he was looking for him? Oh, you mean he was looking for him so that when he showed up, he could take him out? No, he was looking for him. And when he saw him, the father, the father ran to him. Not the son. The father ran. Dads didn't run in that culture. Not because they were lazy or unathletic, but because it was, it was dishonorable. You were a man of authority and power. It brought dishonor for a, for a landowner and a father to run in that kind of manner. Yet the father ran and embraced him. 
And the young man says, Father, I'm not worthy. I've sinned against heaven and against you. The father says, bring me a cloak. And he puts a cloak over his shoulders and he puts a ring on his finger. Why a ring? Because it was the symbol of the family. And he restores him to an honorable place. I got to tell you, at this point, that crowd would have been ticked off. Jesus, you're telling the story wrong. See, because right before this, he told about the lost sheep and the lost coin. And they got that. They're like, oh, yeah, I'd go look for a sheep. And I'd go look for a coin. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a great story, Jesus. They cared more about sheep and coins than they did about people. And at this point, they would have said, no, you're telling the story wrong. You're not doing this right. He's not worthy of a ring. He's not worthy of a cloak. The son's right. He's not worthy. But the father says, no, no, no. Kill a fattened calf. I don't even have time to get into the significance of that. Just believe me, it's significant. Save for a special occasion. Kill the fattened calf. We're having a party. Because my son was lost. And now has found. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And here's what he comforts us with. The knowledge that there is nothing in heaven and on earth that can separate you from the love of God. And I've got to tell you, the, the enemy, Satan, he's a liar. And he will lie every day and he will say, you just crossed the line. There's no going back. You're too far gone. You've done too much. You've said too much. You've spent too much. You've made too many bad decisions. God can't love you anymore. Jesus told this story and gave us the Holy Spirit to remind us of the fact that you are never too far gone. And like the Father in that story, God is looking. The Father is looking. He is looking down the road. He is waiting for an encounter with you where He can wrap His arms around you. There's a painting that Rembrandt, the famous painter, painted called The Prodigal Son. If we can put that up. It's a little dark, but you can see the son. He's got no shoes on and his clothes are ragged. The father is embracing him. And Rembrandt was an amazing painter. In fact, this is considered one of the the, the best paintings he ever painted. And you'll notice that the left hand of the father is very masculine and strong. And the right hand of the father is more feminine and, and kind of softer. He did that on purpose. His painting here depicts this embrace of a father who covers and the tender love of a mom who would embrace and comfort and that God does both for us. Where are you today? Where are you? Do you relate to the younger son? Do you relate to the place that he was in where He was so far gone and so far separated. He thought, there's no way my father would ever love me again. Or you may be in a place where you've been wandering for a while. Maybe you've never felt the embrace of your heavenly father. Maybe your life to this point has been devoid of any of this, this compassion and care. I want to tell you today that God, your father, 
wants to embrace you and comfort you. When my kids were little and they would cry, what would I do? I'd pick him up and I would hold him and I'd whisper something like, it's okay, daddy's here. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Yes, there's moments, there's things that we'll walk through. There's days that we'll just have a hard day. And he, yes, he wants to comfort you in that. But the biggest point of comfort that the Holy Spirit brings is this. He comforts us with the knowledge that you're never too far gone. That God, your Father, is standing and waiting and he's looking to embrace you. We stand together. Every, how, every head bowed and every eye closed today. Just a moment between you and the Lord. I would ask this question. Have you walked away? Are you far from Jesus today? Are you far from the Father today? Are you maybe in a place where you need to be restored? Are you maybe in a place where you need to feel your heavenly Father's loving arms wrapped around you in a loving and welcoming embrace. The younger son had to make a decision. He had to decide to go home. The father was waiting, but he had to decide to go home. You have to make a decision, just like those who were baptized today, to say, yes, I want the embrace of the father. But Pastor Barry, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. The book of Romans, Paul writes, he says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither height nor depth. He goes on, nothing, nothing. So if that's you today and you know that you need to come back or maybe for the very first time in your life, you need to say yes to Jesus. I don't want to miss this moment, this opportunity to agree with you in that. If that's you, would you do me a favor? No one's looking around. Would you just simply slip your hand up, raise your hand up in the air, make eye contact with me, and let me know, yes, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to my Father today. Amen. Thank you. See that hand? Yes. Anyone else? Another hand right here. Good deal. Let's pray this prayer together. If you pray out loud and follow after me. Dear Jesus, I commit my life to you. Thank you, Lord, that nothing can separate me from your love. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I commit to follow you all my life. I repent of my sins. Jesus' name, amen.